As seasons change and the temperatures get warmer, lots of creepy crawlies emerge from their winter burrows looking for hosts on which to feed. Ticks are one common parasite that can carry a host of diseases that threaten our pets and ourselves. Today, veterinary technician Zoe Smith will be a guest on the podcast to educate us about some common tick-borne diseases and how we can detect and treat them in our pets. So grab some bug spray with DEET and let's talk about ticks on the Family Pet Podcast. Welcome in all you curious pet parents to our next episode of the Family Pet Podcast, a podcast for curious pet parents where we believe the more you know about pet health care, the better pet parent you can be. I'm your host, Michael Shirley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Stephen Shirley. Brother, welcome. Brother, it's it's another great day. It is a great day. Hey, do you remember when I was a kid and I had that mole on the back of my head? Holy moly. Yes, I remember. So, Who could forget it? Yeah, it was quite the quite The, the little... dog tick. Yeah, I had a friend, Regan Smith, who, who I mean, sorry, Regan Glenn, who nicknamed, nicknamed me dog tick because it looked, it was so big and it looked like a dog tick on the back of my head. And so when I had it cut off. It looked like an acorn then. When I had it cut off by the medical team and they saved it in a specimen jar, they said, uh. do you want us to run a, a test? And I said, no, no, I want to keep it. And I kept that thing in a specimen jar in my car for three and a half years until I saw Regan, Aglin- Regan so again and gave him. And it looked, I mean, it had the hairs that just looked just like a dog tick. You've now grossed out everyone listening to the Family Pit Podcast. Well, today's topic is ticks and tick-borne diseases with our pets. <laughs> so, so you immediately thought of your mole. I thought of my mole of my youth. So I don't think people understand the size of that. It was a dog tick. It oh, was it was swollen. huge. It, it was big. And I, our, yeah. Now see, our, our guests, people can't see this on, we've got to get our live feed uh, growing in here in the future because people can't see the reaction from our studio guest. She... She, I, 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 it surprises me that she's grossed out by this story because of all the things that she deals with on a daily basis at Family Pet Health. That's so. right. So we are joined today by Zoe Smith, one of our licensed veterinary medical technicians at Family Pet Health, and who, again, has to do some really gross things, but hearing about my mole on the top of my head has... Well, so- we always say that um, humans are gross, so, you know... You're not a pet. <laughs> Pets are cool. Humans are gross. So if you were a dog, no problem to take that tick off. But None. Human. Yeah. So. That's interesting. Is there a lot of people, do you think, in, in tech school, were there a lot of people that were grossed out by human stuff but could do anything with pets? Oh, absolutely. What do you yeah. think the, what's the disconnect there or what's the separation there? I don't know. I just, uh, I know that I would not want to follow behind you and try to collect a urine sample. I mean, well, I'm happy true. to do it behind a dog, <laughs> but you know, I don't want anybody's pee touching oh, my hands. Visual image, visual image. <laughs> we used to have the little ladle come around. Oh my. Well, if we have any viewers left, welcome in. Today's topic is ticks and Zoe, thanks for joining us. I, I I don't know if you're here voluntarily or if they just told you you had to be here, but we're we're glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Good glad to be here. Now you come from a long line of uh, uh, of um, entertainers, you know, so you're a natural on the on the microphone already. I can tell. Oh, thank you. Yes, I found out your grandmother was the mother in Where the Red Fern Grows. Yes, Beverly Garland is my grandmother. She was a um, 
very big television and movie star in the 50s and 60s. So I, I she did, did after a lot you, of stuff. Yeah, after you told me that, I started, we were talking with the kids about it because that's our, we watched Old Yeller the other day and now we're watching, the next one is Where the Red Fern Grows and people are like, are you trying to torture your children? I was going to say, a trauma. <laughs> yeah, well, they got to learn about it. So, well, that, And then you were like, my grandma was the mother in that. And I thought, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. It's it's seven degrees. So if we did Kevin Bacon, I want seven to, degrees of Beverly Garland. But I want to see how close it is to Kevin Bacon now. They she may have, have done something with Kevin Bacon at one time. Have, they had the same agent. They both lived in Hollywood. Yeah. Well, that has nothing to do with okay. Dog. Let's talk about ticks. 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 Where do we start? I hate ticks. Of all the things, honestly, I think that I have an allergic reaction to ticks uh, and chiggers. Yeah, too. I'd say chiggers. <laughs> but but ticks are the worst. When it doesn't matter whether it's a big tick, a little tick, any size tick. If I if they bite my leg, my leg like I go into hyper reactivity mode, and and I'll have a sore for the rest of the summer. Well, so, and it's kind of interesting that you said that because some of the fun facts that I have to share about ticks is that. Their saliva contains several different types of, um, like a chemical compound. One is an anesthetic that actually numbs the area that the tick is biting, and it's supposed to prevent their host from noticing that they're there until they're good and it's secured. And another one is a cementing saliva that actually keeps them attached to the host and allows them to feed without interruption. So, and during that time, all of the goodies are getting passed back and forth. So, that's. Not- I bet, uh, and like chiggers, they have they inject something that like liquefies the cell skin cells and stuff. Mm-hmm. All disgusting. these parasites are designed to make it as easy as possible for them to survive. So is that why, like, when dogs have fleas, they're always scratching, but we don't see that a lot with ticks as much, right? Because like, mm-hmm. is that why? So that that antiseptic, antiseptic uh, it, that that's in their saliva that that prevents the dogs from scratching them right off. Right, and usually you'll notice when the itching, and even on us, when the itching starts, it's usually when the tick is off. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, after, mm-hmm. and that's how those big. So, a dog, a big dog tick, is. Do they start out as little ticks? Mm-hmm. Usually, and some ticks, of course. There's there's thousands or millions of different types of ticks. Um, every mammal on Earth actually has a tick that will feed off of it. Birds and um, some aquatic animals also. So yeah, there are millions and millions of ticks on Earth. Um, all of them are different sizes to start. Some of them will stay very small. Some will get larger. Um, there are actually a, a tick for every mammal on Earth. There is a tick that will feed off of it. And then birds and even some aquatic animals like sea snakes have ticks that will live on them as hosts. So if people weren't afraid of snakes alone, snakes also have ticks. And ticks, yeah, mm-hmm. that's oh, quite the combination. Well, so where do ticks live? Well, they live in wooded areas, grassy areas. Um, Like I said, there's a tick for everything. So you can even find ticks on the beaches in some places. But here in Tennessee, where we're really the most concerned is going to be when you're outside in um, the field, outside in your backyard with grass in there, if you have a larger backyard, anywhere that wildlife goes through, you're going to find ticks because ticks use, you know, their hosts as their transportation. So if you have a backyard that's got deer that come through there, squirrels, anything like that, you have a risk of having ticks that have fed on them and fallen off, laid eggs, that kind of thing. Now we'll get into prevention in a little while, but for those people that say, well, I live in an apartment uh, in a gated community, I don't have ticks. What would you tell those people? I would tell them that um, their risk is probably lower than someone who lives out in the country, but never none. Right. Um, You know, you could have gone hiking or your neighbor could have gone hiking and have a little uh, stowaway in their, Mm. you know, on their pants or on their animal when they come back and it falls off. And one pregnant tick is going to lead to lots and lots of ticks. So 
you're never 100% protected. And these guys are pretty nasty guys. So we talked about the, the tick themselves. What? So they're nasty, but what about what they're carrying? Right. So ticks carry a ton of bacteria. Um, it depends, of course, on the tick and where the tick is lo you know, located regionally um, to the diseases that you usually will see. So I'm going to kind of focus on the diseases that we see here in Tennessee. But they do carry a ton of bacteria and they also carry other parasites. So while the tick is small, there are parasites that are even smaller than them and they can live inside of the tick. And guess what? Guess what they use to transfer those things back and forth? The tick. Their saliva. Oh, their saliva. So whenever you bite. have a tick that bites onto you and starts to feed, that process begins. They're spitting back what the, you know, they're, they're taking in and spitting back. And every time they spit back, they're putting bacteria into you. Tick backwash. Um, yes. Just, uh, if I wasn't <laughs> not hungry at the moment, uh, oh. I would do something. Well, if I can make Stephen like, not hungry, then yeah. I know I've done something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man. So. Uh, in in Tennessee, in in where we are, and 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 this is for people that are listening all across the world. I don't know if you knew that we're world now oh. around the world. Uh, they need to talk to their veterinary professional team to find out what ticks are in their area because different prevention. Again, we'll get to prevention, but they they happen to um, uh, prevent different types of ticks. So, mm -hmm. in our in Tennessee, in Middle Tennessee, what are the most common types of ticks that we see? Um, the black legged tick. Um, which is also called the deer tick. And that's just a black... It's, it's a just, brown body with yeah. black legs. Okay. Um, then we have the lone star tick we see sometimes, not as often here as we do in other places. Um, and then, of course... And that one has the little dot on it. Right. Okay. And that one's got the little dot. Um, and the one that we see and the one that most people are probably familiar with really is that deer tick, the one that carries Lyme disease. Um so, and he, that's the one that we probably were the most worried about. He carries a lot of diseases. Um, is that the one that swells up real big? And, no, that that's the dog, dog tick. That's just a, yeah. that's literally just a dog, dog tick. That's the dog tick, yep. All right. Do we see a lot of those around our area? Mm-hmm, we sure do. Okay, and they also they also can transmit disease, other diseases? They too. can transmit, um, they can transmit diseases, yes. And they All can right. definitely cause infections and things like that when they latch onto their host even if they don't transmit a disease you know you can also be looking at an infection at the site and all that kind of stuff mm. so uh what tell us about you you mentioned lyme disease mm -hmm. i thought that that, that was a uh, i hear it m most common for for humans but you're saying that and i know that in the past it was always something that happened up in the northeast um, we i know we have a family member that that has lyme disease from a tick bite and they live in the up in the northeast is that something that we've seen coming down or did it just show up or like what's up with that no as the temperatures on the earth are warming we're finding that um different creatures different life ecosystems are actually expanding so ticks have been spreading um the lyme disease tick the deer tick um the reason it's called lyme is it actually started in a place in connecticut called lyme connecticut and that was the first place in the United States that we found the series of symptoms that were eventually related back to people that had been bit by the tick. Um, the reason that this area had such an influx of that is they had a really big deer population. And they call them the deer tick because their main primary host is a deer. 
but we know deer spread around. They've got large herds. So those deer, as you know, things have been moving as deforestation has come and those animals have moved down. Mm-hmm. They definitely have, the ticks have moved with them. They found other hosts that maybe carry them even further. And yes, we do now definitely have um, the deer tick here in Tennessee. And Lyme is something that we do see um, quite often, actually. So what, what are the symptoms for a, for a dog who has Lyme disease? Well, I'll tell you, most of the time dogs are going to be asymptomatic at first. Um, if they do start to have symptoms, they are going to um, be things like fever, loss of appetite, joint swelling and joint pain, um, similar to what they would be in humans. Now in humans, when they get bit, when you are bit by a deer tick and you get potentially Lyme disease, you get a bullseye. Everyone kind of relates Almost that Almost like bullseye. a brown recluse type of bite. Right, right. Yeah. right. There's like something in the middle and then you get a circle around mm-hmm. it. And that's a pretty good indication that that tick was attached to you long enough to transmit Lyme disease. Um, now in dogs, they don't get the bullseye. So if you do see a tick on your animal and the tick falls off, you notice there's a spot. That's just because that was irritation. They don't technically get that bullseye sign. Um, usually if we do catch it early enough, which we do through blood tests, we can treat it with doxycycline. That seems to be the um, antibiotic of choice to get rid of a lot of these tick-borne diseases. And um, most of the time the pets will be okay. The next time we test them, we won't have, we'll have a negative test. Now, if your dog has Lyme disease and it's left untreated, chronic Lyme disease that can develop can do things like affect the kidneys, affect neurological functions, and cause um, really severe chronic arthritis as the pet ages without treatment. Okay. So, well, I have a question while you're thinking. All right. I can see you're thinking. You said that it, the tick's been attached long enough. Does, um, is that the same for our dogs? Like, do they, do the ticks have to be attached for a certain period of time before they can get the Lyme disease from the tick? Usually about 24 hours, you know, cause the longer, you know, when they first attach, they're just kind of burrowing in. Mm-hmm. And then that process of the backwash, as we called it earlier, <laughs> begins. And the longer that goes on, the more bacteria is being introduced. So the more likely you're going to get a reaction or some sort of a disease process. Yeesh. So check yourselves mm-hmm. every time you go out to the woods and then also check your pet, check which your is pet a lot out. harder because they're covered in hair right. all over. Fun times. So one of the things that we talk about or that we've heard about are, are zoonotic diseases. So we've talked about Lyme disease in humans, Lyme disease in dogs, and it's all being carried by the deer. Is this the same disease that's just going back and forth? Yeah, I mean, the Lyme disease that we get is the Lyme disease that animals get. It just, in humans, it does affect us a lot more severely, a lot more chronically than it does with pets. Um, Usually, if you have Lyme disease that's well-established, it's chronic. You're going to have that for the rest of your life. And so the the same tick that literally may be biting my dog and then I'm playing with my dog could then drop off the dog and bite me and we just now suddenly we're sharing the same Lyme disease? Yep. And what's scary about that is that if the tick has already been feeding on your dog and already has started that process and his, um, you know, his saliva is already right there at the surface and all that, he latches onto you. It's going to be a shorter amount of time that he has to feed on you to transmit the disease. Makes you think twice about snuggling with Maverick on the couch. Oh, goodness. (laughs) So that's okay because we're sharing some really scary stuff, but there is the hope or the 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 uh, the positive on the backside so are so we've talked a lot about Lyme uh, are there others that we need to consider 
and think about? There are. There are two other diseases that we test here um, with our panel that we use at Family Pet Health. Uh, one is called Ehrlichia canis, and the other is anaplasmosis. And both of those are... Um, Basically, they are making an autoimmune issue where the immune system is just not working properly. Um, they can cause immune-mediated platelet destruction. Um, that is Ehrlichia. Anaplasmosis causes um, thrombocytopenia, which is also a platelet disorder. Both of those things can cause clotting issues. Um, so we definitely want to test. And again, it's the same thing as it is with the with the Lyme disease. It's that doxycycline for 30 days and then retesting later to see if we've gotten the disease you know, eradicated. Uh, we don't tend to see Ehrlichia and anaplasmosis with the, um, as often with symptoms. Usually we are able to catch it before any symptoms develop, but it's always good to know that they've had it, know they've had it in the past, because even if it's not showing up and they have problems later in life, we can always look back and know they were bit by a tick. We had Ehrlichia. Maybe this is why we're having issues with bleeding and platelets and things like that. So screening, catching it early is important. So Absolutely. screening is important. How do we do that? What what are the steps for the screening process? Uh, at Family Pet Health, we have um, several different blood panels, and one of those blood panels is called an Acuplex. And the Acuplex tests for four different diseases. One is heartworms, and then it tests for the three tick-borne diseases, which are Lyme, anaplasmosis, and Ehrlichia. So it's just a few drops of blood. We send it to a lab. They have special stuff that they've got special tests that they put it under. And um, we know usually within 24 hours whether or not your pet is positive. And then you decide on a treatment plan. Correct. And then we work with the doctor and the doctor will sometimes decide depending on the pet's age, the pet's health, um, if there's any symptoms, anything like that. And they'll decide whether doxycycline is the right route and what they want to do. Are any of those um, diseases curable? Like where you just take it away completely? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. As long as we catch it early and we get treatment early, then, you know, there'll be testing negative. So that's dogs. But what about cats? Are they at the risk? Are they at risk for those same diseases? Cats are not at risk for these diseases. Um, cats and dogs, you know, they have very different inner workings. Mm-hmm. Um, cats have their own special disease that we see a lot here in Tennessee, and that is called cytoxunosis. And we commonly call it bobcat fever. Bobcat fever is, um, is actually a blood parasite. It's not a bacterial infection. These other diseases are bacterial infections. The cytox or bobcat fever is actually a blood parasite that the tick carries. Um, you usually only know about it when the pet gets sick. So and those are really. I, I know that we typically start to see those in the spring mm-hmm. uh, when they're when they're moving around, and those are really tragic. That I, I know. I think about last year and the year before. We, the year before we had a we seem to have a lot of them. I even sent an email out to the other vet offices to see if we were having like a a really bad outbreak or something abnormal. Um, So tell us a little bit about like, how do you recognize if your cat may have bobcat fever? It's really hard. I mean, it's really kind of a tough one because the the beginning stages and the very beginning symptoms are pretty, pretty arbitrary. Lethargy, loss of appetite, but they go from those very light symptoms to being very sick very, very fast. Um, With the Cytox, we'll see them they'll start to appear yellow, like their eyeballs will be yellow, the tips of their ears will be yellow, any skin you see a lot of times will be yellowed. They will have a fever of over 103 degrees, sometimes higher. Um, and a lot of times by the time we realize they're that sick, it's it's too late. 
So, um, and we have, there are some antibiotics now that are some antivirals, I should say, that are helping to treat this um, if it's caught really early. Cats that have not been treated or are caught once symptoms have really started only have a 3% survival rate. Mm. So it's pretty devastating. Um, it causes liver and kidney failures. The yellowing of the skin is actually the liver shutting down and all of those toxins are being released into the body. Right. Um, and usually it's within a few, it's within a day or two of the bite that they will start to get sick. So we've talked about uh, treatment options. Are, can you talk, just touch a little bit on pricing? Is that, is it, is it uh, expensive? Is it inexpensive to treat these tick-borne diseases? Well, the dogs, it depends on the dog size because we're talking about doxycycline. So a smaller dog is going to be a lot cheaper to treat because it gets maybe one pill a day. Mm -hmm. A larger dog is going to get sometimes three or four pills. So that definitely, um, that definitely is going to depend on how much you're, you know, how much you're looking at. Now, of course, if they get into the chronic stages right. where we've got arthritis and we've got kidney disease and things like that, then we're looking at different costs for those because we're treating what's happening right. to them. So are, what, we, how can we prevent our animals from getting yeah, these, I'm, I'm, these I'm hearing all these horrible things, yeah. but I know, give me like good for news. Me, for me, whenever I go out and I'm working, starting now, because I've mm -hmm. already seen the ticks moving, uh, from now until November, December, I wear off, deep woods off with mm -hmm. deep, and I cover my clothes in it because I hate ticks that bad because they really, they really affect me. We can't spray our dogs with off every time they go outside to use the bathroom. So what do we do instead? Well, luckily it's really easy because there are some really great products on the market that uh, are tick preventions. It's uh, a lot of times, most of the time, tick preventions will be paired with your flea prevention. So it'll be a monthly pill they'll get. Um, and that's usually enough to take care of them. And yeah, you still have to do your due diligence because they can still be crawling on your dog when you bring it in from outside and they can still fall off in your house. So you want to make sure you're checking your pets when you've gone outside and played in the woods. Um, but putting a tick, you know, giving them a tick or a flea and tick preventative is going to pretty much bring that, that risk down to very small. Um, cats cannot, we don't have anything oral for cats that works for ticks. So we do topicals. Um, there are some that work better than others for ticks. So you may want to talk to your veteran for certain ticks. Mm -hmm. So you may want to talk to your veterinarian about what's in your area and what, which product they recommend. Yeah. Because some, some specifically are not labeled for like the Lone Star tick. Correct. Or, and, and the, is the Lone Star tick what trap, what? Uh, no, that, that the, the it's the deer fever? tick. Okay. I wasn't mm -hmm. sure about the bobcat fever. I didn't, didn't know if it And I'm not actually entirely sure, so don't okay. quote me on which tick that one is. Yeah. I, so I feel like it might one. be, but yeah, look it, <laughs> look it up. Let us know. because <laughs> So dogs are often uh, an oral pill once mm -hmm. a month. Um, are, are there topical? Are there other options? There are topicals. Um, and I, when we say topical, what are we, what are we saying? It's there? a liquid that would go on the skin underneath the hair, probably right between the shoulder blades in the back where they can't lick it off and it, then it absorbs through the skin um we i do recommend that with cats it's going to be a topical with dogs uh, the orals are usually better if you're going to do a topical i do recommend asking your veterinarian which one they recommend because not all are created equal some will work a lot better on fleas and ticks than others will and then i hear about flea collars what are those flea collar that we've had the most success with is the Soresto collar, and it does actually a really good job. Um, some of our doctors even recommend people that take their pets out for lots of outdoor activities pair a Soresto collar with a monthly preventative orally. So you can you can double double yes. dip. I did do a Google search real quick, and the Lone Star tick is the primary tick for bobcat fever, Very and good. that's why I was remembering because we had that debate about. Um, 
which topical we wanted to use on cats. And we, we specifically looked for one that had proven mm-hmm. scientific research to repel the Lone Star tick for yes. those cats that, that may be outside or go in and out. Um, and, and even if your cat never goes outside, it's still a good idea to have them on uh, flea and tick prevention, especially if they live with dogs that are going in and out. But, but as you said, we can bring in ticks ourselves. Um, so everyone out there, just talk to your veterinary team and and decide prevention. which prevention is right for you. You'll notice I didn't say if if prevention is right for you, but rather which, which prevention is right for you because it's a big deal and it's better to prevent than to treat. And it's also easier to uh, to tr- to prevent than it is to treat. Like to watch your pet go through uh, these different diseases that are transmitted by ticks. So if there was if if I already didn't like ticks, which I didn't. Now I like them even less. Yeah, hearing about, about especially hearing about their process and what they can give my pets, I want to kill them all. That's right, kill <laughs> so them all. I uh, one day I'll find. I, I, there is a video of a uh, ticks when they're in the woods looking for a host, where they walk to the very end mm-hmm. of the blade of grass and then they put all their little legs. How many legs do they have? Eight of them. Right? Eight. They're yeah. actually arachnids, yeah. like spiders. They're not insects. Okay. Well, they're. Mm-hmm. Was that your fun fact for the day? Actually, no. My oh. fun fact. I have I have a lot of fun tick facts. All right. Well, so we did we did challenge Zoe to bring in her best fun fact um, of the day. So we we learned that ticks are arachnids already. They go to the end of the creek. They just put all their little legs out there. Or I guess they put six of them out to try to grab holding a hold on of with something. two legs and yeah. six legs out. Uh, so, but what is what is your fun fact for today's uh, family pet health or family family pet podcast listeners out there? Well, um, when we talk about how creepy and disgusting they are, we also have to have a little bit of respect for these guys because when they found the uh, what they believe is one of the first humans that was encased in ice, you know, 20 years ago and started testing his blood, he actually tested positive for Borrelia burgdorferi, which is the bacteria that causes Lyme disease, which leads most scientists to speculate that ticks are actually prehistoric animals. Well, there we go. I did not know that. Now I do. <laughs> That's great. So there's your for all you curious pet parents out there that are looking for that fact uh, to win at the tri- trivia night at your local favorite restaurant. Uh, there it is. Ticks, ticks are, are are assumed to be prehistoric. Prehistoric. Yes. And the other one that I took away was it was first discovered in Lyme, the city of Lyme. I was yeah, I was, Connecticut. Yeah, Lyme, Connecticut. That a home homegrown disease here. What's something to be known for? <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, Where are you from? Lyme, Connecticut. You know, you ever heard Lyme disease? That's mm-hmm. us. That's our claim to fame. That is. Hmm. All right. Well, we are about out of time. Zoe, you got anything else that we should just know about ticks? I mean, other than just keep your pets on prevention and keep yourselves safe. Uh, I think I think I've covered most. Awesome. Of it. Well, thank you for bringing us the great information about ticks and tick prevention and uh, treatments of the diseases. We're glad to know that there is hope out there that uh, if, if we do have the unfortunate um, occurrence of having one of those tick-borne diseases in our house, we can at least treat it. So, all right. Well, uh, all you curious pet parents, we will see you next time on the Family Pet Podcast. Take care. The Family Pet is a podcast for curious pet parents where we believe that the more you know about pet health care, the better pet parent you can be. The Family Pet is a production of Family Pet Health, PLLC, and recorded in the studios of Spread the Positive Productions in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The statements made as a part of this show should not be taken as an establishment of any form of a veterinary-client-patient relationship. All comments are for entertainment and educational purposes only. 
you should reach out to your local veterinary partner before taking any action on the things that you've heard here today. We hope that you will share this podcast with a friend, and it would mean so much to us if you would take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Show notes, links, and videos to accompany today's show can be found at thefamilypetpodcast.com. Thank you.